In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Hi, everybody. On today's show, it's back to the basics. Are you one of the millions of Americans living paycheck to paycheck? And even if you're not, we've got six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. Education-driven, strategy-based, team-delivered. That is the Gen Wealth difference, and this is the Get Ready for the Future show. Hi, everybody, and welcome in to another edition. My name is Scott Inman. Along with me, John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. Hi to you both. Hello. Hello. Ready to go again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this is a good show today. We said back to the basics. Okay, so we're going to get back to the basics with six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money. And, And I mentioned there in the open... Uh, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, this is some great education, some great challenges uh, awaits you in the next uh, 35 minutes of this program. But also, even if you're not, if you've maybe even saved and you're getting close to retirement, there's still some things in here, I think, uh, that you'll find useful to challenge yourself to kind of get ready. You know, I think I think so much, and we talk about it all the time, so much of what people's perception of a financial advisor is, that it's all about investments, that it's Mm -hmm. all about investment recommendation. And certainly an investment strategy and investment recommendations are very important to the overall financial plan. But so much of what we do is the planning side, and that is really it's a progressional process, right? You've got to have margin in your life so that you can have enough money to save so that you can invest it for your future. You don't go into debt. You've got to have some savings. All of that is combined in getting yourself to financial independence. And if you're struggling to do that, I think today's show can help. It it can. And I I think that this really does show up in a lot of different places on the life timeline. Uh, One of the places that is interesting that that it shows up is in the transition from work to retirement. Right. Uh, Janet, when we talk with people in our offices and they're coming in and they're thinking about retiring, they're saying, you know, I I, want to retire in a year or I want to retire in six months or sometimes I want to retire tomorrow or whatever the case may be. They're they're They have a timeline. And one of the questions that we always ask folks is, well, how much money do you need and how much money do you want to have coming in on a monthly basis in retirement? And then we hear the proverbial crickets. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are blank stares and lots of silence in the room until one of them finally says, I have no idea. (laughs) Because really, it is we, we live in this day and time when because money is now so electronic in our use of it, People are not tracking, well, I, I received this amount of money in my paycheck and I got, you know, a certain amount out in cash. And then at the end of the pay period, I have some or I don't have some left over. They don't even look at it. They just know, OK, I don't go below zero in my checking account and, <laughs> yeah. and or hopefully, you know, and, but there are some who have a higher threshold, obviously. But really, the point is, for most people, it is money in, money out, and they're not really looking at how much they're spending in various places or how much they're investing. And so when you begin to look at, all right, what do you need to live on? You know, sometimes they'll say, well, I guess we need what we're what we're making right now. Well, 
okay, but you're contributing to your 401k. And when you retire, you're not going to make that contribution anymore. What other things are going to change? And again, people just often really don't think about their cash flow. So Scott, the solution I think oftentimes is to sit down and and track your spending for yeah. a little while. You may not have lived on a budget your entire life. I, I know that it's not been something that the Shrewsbury family has, has ever really done, and that is to sit down and go, okay, we have this much money coming in, and we're going to absolutely delegate exactly where that money's going. We have a cushion in our checking account. We know that we kind of barometer it, if you will, uh, against right. that cushion, and we don't go below a certain amount, and, and that's the way it is. I couldn't tell you how much we spend on electricity because my wife pays the bill. She could probably tell you. It's but probably actually automated. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And levelized, yes. hopefully. Yes. <laughs> That's the way I like it. But I don't know. You know, yeah. but but I just know that their money, as Janet said, money comes in, money goes out, and we don't violate that that floor, if you will. So to be able to judge that as far as retirement is concerned, mm-hmm. I think you do need to kind of just pause and take an account. Yeah, and I think even if you have margin in your life, I think the exercise of doing these things can still be helpful because you can find some places where you cannot believe you're spending what you're spending on certain things, and you might make a decision to eliminate it, which could allow you to save more and maybe even get to retirement early. There's a lot of application here. You know, the concept of today's show is all of the Americans, they're living paycheck to paycheck. According to uh, CNBC, at the start of this year, 64% 64% of the U.S. population was living paycheck to paycheck. That was up from 61% in December and just shy of a high of 65% during COVID in 2020. And, you know, the stress on the paycheck is really evident today when you compare inflation to wage growth. Now, wages have really gone up. I mean, I think we've, we've all talked about that with labor shortages uh, towards the back end of covid Uh, employers are definitely paying more, 5.1% across the board over the past year. But when you look at what inflation did last March, which are the most recent numbers, March compared year over year to last March was up 8.5% driven by energy, uh, mainly in gas prices. But wage growth is not keeping up with inflation. So your buying power is less. So if you were close to living paycheck to paycheck before, you're more than likely there now. Yeah, and I think to to take an account and to sit down and say, okay, what is it that we need our money to do and what is it that we want our money to do in retirement? And and let's face it, retirement is like walking off a cliff. You've been supported by a regular paycheck that's been delivered by your employer, presumably every two weeks, uh, direct deposited into your account. You know it's there and life is good. And now you're facing the prospect of living on your own resources. Mm -hmm. You don't have that paycheck to support you. And Janet, I I term it like walking off a cliff. You know, you're walking on solid ground and all of a sudden there's nothing under you. And that feeling can be mitigated. It can be can be cured, if you will, by simply just taking account. It's really a very encouraging thought. Would you like to retire today? Yes. Would you like to walk off a cliff today? Uh, The response is very different. It really is. But really, when you think about it, though, what does scare people, much like walking off a cliff, is knowing, like you're saying, John, I'm not going to have a paycheck. Like this is, I'm going to retire, and I'm so excited about all the things I have in my mind of what that means, playing with the grandkids, traveling, whatever that looks like. I'm going to do that. 
but then what's going to pay the bills? Because even if you own your house, even if you don't have a car payment, you still have some degree of financial responsibility. And guys, we see that number, it varies greatly on, you know, what people need. For some people, Social Security between the two spouses more than covers what they have to have. It doesn't cover their desired income, but it more than covers their required income. For others, it doesn't even come close. So it really is important to track your spending for a period of time to understand how much money you really are spending and things like we're a little bit more budget oriented in the Walker family um, and and we do keep track on on what we're spending and that type of thing but one of the things that we're doing is moving money over to savings after every paycheck that we get there's a certain amount that I just have it set up as an automatic transfer we're doing that obviously with investments as well but also with savings and that's something that is not it's no longer a requirement when you retire, and that makes a big difference on what you have to have to cover your monthly expenses. This this whole deal of tracking what you're spending, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I actually did this, and I think it felt to my kids like this was, you know... Um, just just mom folklore of like she didn't really do that but when I was in college my freshman year it was first time I was out you know kind of on my own and so I got a notebook and I literally wrote down every single thing like if I went to Walmart to get some stuff to supplement what I had from the cafeteria I wrote down every item and the cost and everything and I told the kids about that and uh, just a couple of weeks ago my 19 year old son came downstairs going Mom, you won't believe what I found. He found that notebook. We still have it. And I was like, see, I told you guys. But I did it for months. And that really gave me an idea of, okay, this is at this stage of life. This is what I need to have. Because mom and dad didn't know. I didn't know. It was just a very different experience. And so I would encourage you, if you're at a point of a life change, regardless of your age, Take a few months and just do that. Just write down what you're doing, and you may discover you have some habits that you go, you know what, that one doesn't really matter, and it's pretty expensive. I don't want to do that anymore. But prioritize. Yeah, please. And and I, I think that this follows right along with our planning process for retirement here at GenWealth. We follow what is in our industry called a flooring and bucketing strategy. Mm-hmm. You've heard us talk about buckets on this show forever. We don't talk an awful lot about the term flooring. We talk about a having your required income. And, and I think that uh, to identify what you have to have every month to keep the household going is a critical step. Now, a lot of times people are like, I don't know, that's a, that's a big deal. It doesn't have to be precise. You do need to have a general idea and then be north of that general idea. And that's what we do in terms of taking a look at the first thing that we do in retirement is assess what that need is and then try to balance that need with your social security income, pension if you have it, and then try to fill in with other guaranteed income sources to be sure that you don't run out of money in a situation that would really handle your basic standard of living. Yeah, I think that's the key point Janet mentioned when your life stage changes, when something's happened that your expenses are going to look differently. Retirement is certainly one of those big ones. And that's our number one on the six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money is track your spending. And we do want to point out writing it down on paper as Janet did is probably the best way to do it too. I mean, a lot of people may be thinking, well, I track my spending with apps and and that, and that, and and that it's great. I mean, if you're tracking your spending, that's awesome, but there is something about Mm -hmm. writing it down on a notebook that (laughs) makes us pay 
more attention to it. And that may be a little generational. I don't know. There are probably some people <laughs> younger than me who have just never written anything down. Uh, but I think when you write it down, you pay attention to it. Well, yeah. you do. And and I think that there is, uh, you know, engagement with it. Uh, a yeah. lot of times we spend all of our time in a screen and looking at numbers on a screen. And it's easy to get disengaged with that. It's kind of similar to the thing about you really actually feel physical pain when you pull dollar yes. bills out yeah. of your pocket yes. to pay for something as opposed to swipe the card. Yeah, it, it registers in your brain chemically. It registers in the exact same way as like when you stump your toe. It registers as pain. <laughs> I've yeah. stumped my toe too many times. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, so number two on our list of six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money, and this one's a sacrificial one. Try a no-spend month. Wow. Let that one process for a minute. Anybody want to do that? I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that, Scott. Yeah, so obviously it can't be zero. You've got some expenses to keep the lights on, to keep the rents paid. But if you really want to go big here, you could, for one full month, don't spend any money other than what it takes on the necessary items like rent, transportation, and basic groceries. You know, doing some coupon clipping and eating some, you know, basic things. And you could really bare bones this thing and figure out where you are. And the other thing that kind of popped up in my head, if you're going to do this, it assumes that you don't have debt payments or debt obligations, right? You're right. Going to, those are going to stick out like a sore thumb. If you're trying to right. go to a no spend month, you're going to realize how much of a commitment you have to debt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I think that it's important to think about why it is a no spend month. And yes, obviously we kind of live month to month in, in this day and time, but I think 30 days is about all your family would put up with you doing that. <laughs> you know, I, I really do. My, it's like, uh, we're done with this. My <laughs> husband and I, not by choice, um, but out of necessity, had a no spend season of life um, when, when he was having all the medical problems that he had and we had all these medical bills and just one income. And so, like, we literally, we had rabbit ears because, you know, that was free TV. And we, I, I, I love, John will tell you, I love Coke. Like, a soft drink, Coke, Pepsi, I don't care. That's what I want to have. We didn't buy them to have at home for, like, months and months and months it was like would you like water or maybe a little bit of milk those are your choices and that's it and and we really found lots of ways where we could save money um, that we had not needed to do in the past now i'm not suggesting that people go that extreme unless you're in such an extreme situation as we were at that point but there are if you go even a degree of that there are some some pretty significant differences that you can make in your cash flow without a lot of effort once you are aware of them you know the closest i got to this was during covid oh yeah everything was closed yeah you weren't going to restaurants and you weren't going out and doing the things you weren't driving as much that's as close as i've ever come to a no spend month we've got some tips for success though before you do that pick a month where you don't have obligations that are going to make this impossible and i chuckle because when you got kids, <laughs> to find a month with no birthdays, no school things going on. Don't you grow know. this month. I'm not no buying vacation. any clothes. No vacation or holidays. <laughs> I mean, it, that's a challenge, right? Yeah, but I think be. that's a, a, a formula for success if you can find the most bored. Pick January. I mean, nothing happens in January. <laughs> <laughs> Except many people are paying off their Christmas bills. That's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. You got that right. So those those things can make it a challenge. But a no-spend month, I mean, it sounds kind of hard to do, but and it would be for sure. But if you could get through that, you'd really get a better picture of where your expenses lie, what your true obligations are. And it can, be, it can help you, again, regardless of where you are, if you're living paycheck to paycheck to come out of that, you'll I think be your eyes will be open to realize because so many people who are still getting just getting started 
in their careers and maybe they've got a good job but it's not paying you know they have so many other things they feel like they have to buy and it's not paying what they really think they feel like they can't save they feel like they can't Mm -hmm. do retirement because the the slog of everyday life is just too great and i think that doing something like this could really help them realize that you know what i've got 150 250 300 a month that i could get into investments or savings or retirement plan that i didn't realize that i had Number three on our list, Finance Fridays. Now, what does that mean? Well, very few of us learned about money in school, but there's certainly no reason that we can't do it now and play catch up. We've got all the resources that we need, and we will present some cautionary uh, comments toward that end because certainly there's no, there's no uh, lacking of information out there where you get it is very important. But I do think the concept of Finance Friday is picking one day a week where you're going to learn one thing that you didn't know about money could really help you as well. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what stage of life you're in. You can you can pick that Friday and say, okay, I'm going to learn one thing today and one thing next Friday and one thing the following Friday and, and so on and so forth. I think that this educational process actually does, uh, you know, ramp up obviously early in your life mm-hmm. and then again later in life as you approach retirement because the game totally changes in retirement. All of the things that you learned about that were good – in your accumulation years all change when you begin to draw money out of your portfolio. And so there are some key things there like uh, reverse dollar cost averaging and sequence of return risk and all of that, you know, sounds like a lot of noise to a lot of people, but those are critical elements to retirement strategies and retirement income planning that you didn't really have to worry about when mm-hmm. you were uh, accumulating money. Well, I think you make a, a very important point when you you talk about, you know, those terms just sound weird to people. It's like, what are you even talking about? Well, if that was what went through your mind when John said re- reverse dollar cost averaging or sequence of return, you need to understand those things. And those are things that, that we teach when people are coming in uh, and preparing for retirement or going through retirement. And some of our clients will know those by name and some of them just know the concepts because uh-huh. we've talked through and explained the concept to them. But it's critical for you to understand. It is critical that you uh, understand those in order to be able to have the retirement that you envision. And so if those are terms that are not familiar with you or to you, then yeah, a Finance Friday is a good idea. Scott, can I uh, uh, sort of drift a little bit on this subject and talk a little bit about information input, yeah. if you will, because this becomes a, a, a real critical issue for a lot of people. I think that if I think all of us would agree that if we were constantly fed bad food, we'd feel like crap, right? You know, we would just feel mm-hmm. terrible. Think about the information that you're taking in about the world, about the economy, about politics, about whatever. And we've said on this show before, we've been very critical of the traditional media before because their job is to not necessarily inform you. Their job is to keep you watching Mm -hmm. the TV or listening to their broadcast or whatever the case may be. And they, they live on ratings. That is their job. But oftentimes that stuff is inflammatory and oftentimes it's way overblown and oftentimes it has absolutely no application to you. 
And I think that that's critical. Uh, we, we talked with uh, some of our clients just this week, Scott, about focusing on their economy, not the economy, because there's a lot of noise out there right now about the economy. Inflation can get, uh, you know, obviously the inflation is higher, but you had some interesting information just a, a minute ago uh, as we were talking before we went yeah. on the air about the, the fact of inflation is not long-term persistent. Right. And that, and that yeah, historically, if you look at the, the U.S. inflation numbers, uh, it averages over the long period of time a little over 3%. Right. And there have been very few, it's been very rare that we've had long stretches of 5% or higher. In fact, right. there's only been one time in U.S. history where we've had 10 years of 5% annual inflation. Right. And there's only been seven times, this one really got me, there's only been seven times in which we've had two back-to-back years of 5% or higher. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, so it's rare for us to have high inflation for a long period of time. So why does that matter? Because the client meeting we were in, and a lot of client meetings that we're in, when, when they come into their annual reviews or even when they're coming in for the first time, one of their biggest worries is inflation because right. that's the headline they're receiving. But how does it actually apply to your personal economy? Inflation is not going to cause you to keep from reaching financial independence, but how you react to it can. Yeah, and I think that's important because, again, if you're fed all of this information that it's bad, it's bad, it's really bad, it's so bad, I can't even begin to tell you how bad it is. That's the sum total of what the the media usually (laughs) says about things. And then you come in for a review and you hear one time a year, hey, you know, things are looking pretty good. Then all of a sudden you're you're trying to, to, you know, juxtapose those two different pieces of information and you just get confused. But in reality, you've got to think about this in terms of how this applies to you, your plan and your life. Well, John, I want to circle back to when you were talking about, you know, the media's job is to keep people coming back to watch again and again and again. If I were out there as a listener, part of me would be going, what's y'all's job? Like, Okay, what what's behind what you're telling me? Because yeah. if there's something behind what they're telling yeah. me, then there's something behind what you're telling me. So our job is to have a long-term relationship with our clients to and through retirement. And there's a whole lot that goes behind that. But when you think about that long-term relationship to and through retirement, that means that you know a, a well-educated client they're going to stay with us longer. Mm. If we if we take it on as our personal responsibility to be sure that you understand your finances and your personalized plan, you're going to feel better about the relationship that you have with your advisor and frankly with Gen Wealth as a whole if this is where you choose to be. That is critically important to us. We're not a transactionally based company. We're not going to go, oh, you've got $100,000 here, put it in this. We're going to go, let's sit down and talk. Like, what's important to you? It is more about the relationship. And that's why we believe that this education is so important for every individual out there. We want you to learn and understand more. Our job is to get you to financial independence. That's that, regardless of where you are, it doesn't matter if you are a young person who is a client of of some of our younger advisors that work with that that group of people or if you're approaching retirement our job is to secure financial independence with you and working together with you so just think about that 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 is a side-by-side relationship as opposed to one that is frankly 
manipulative, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they're wanting you to believe a certain thing. So you'll come back and get yeah. some more of it. And and so, you know, and and my friends in the media always throw rocks at me about saying stuff like that. But but I, I, I know of which of what I speak because I see it happen every day. I see people come in every day that have literally been almost you know driven crazy by the noise of yeah. what's going on in the world as opposed to looking at their particular situation. Well, and if you even if you assume the the, the media uh, intention is just to inform, there's still no application to that, right? That's right. It's just information. And I think about what Janet said is so important. What is our intent? Our intent is to help our clients reach financial independence and get through retirement, staying in financial independence. And I even think about you know where people do go for financial resources. Oftentimes, it's to uh, subscribe to a newsletter to get stock tips, right? Well, yeah. does that guy want you to have financial independence? He wants you to pay for his stock tips. That's what he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you think about where you get your information is important. And we offer many resources for free. In fact, one of them we've actually referenced uh, on this show right here is talking about the inflation numbers, historical. Uh, our fastest four minutes in finance is all about inflation and how you can make decisions uh, based on those numbers. Uh, and if you want to sign up for that, it's real easy to do so. You can send a text to 501-381-5228. You text the word FAST to that number, and you can sign up for the fastest four minutes in finance. You can also go to our website. Uh, It is a weekly email once you've signed up with information that you need to be financially smarter, and it's in four minutes or less. We know your time is precious, so we get it done quickly. We have GenWealth Academy, an always growing collection of videos and webinars to help you better understand your money and how to make it work for you. You can find that at GetReadyForTheFuture.com. Six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money today. Number four is set up a monthly review process. Now, even if you're young here and your income is relatively low, a monthly review process can be beneficial. So what does that look like? Well, you can review spending from the past month to check for fraudulent charges or mistakes and make sure your spending isn't wildly out of line, but you want to look at your savings account and debt and make sure you're making progress towards your goals. Uh, I even think of uh, my partner, Tim, who I work with, you know, he, he does a, a net worth spreadsheet on himself every month, you know, just checking in what happened, which, mm-hmm. which way, do, which way <laughs> yeah. did I go? Right. Yep. Of course, Tim does that. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, ad, on a farther extreme scale, it's kind of like the ad where the guy, uh, it's uh, for cryptocurrency or whatever, when he's, He's uh, he's saying, "Hey, I'm a millionaire," and then the next day, "Oh, I'm not a millionaire." You know? <laughs> yeah. It's not quite that much fluctuation with Tim's, but there's great benefit in seeing again on paper, on purpose, right. what's going on in your finances. Well, and I, here's a novel idea: you get a financial plan. Uh, assuming you get a financial plan from with whoever you're working at, you got a financial plan. What happens to that financial plan? Oftentimes it gets put on a shelf, put in a drawer, and you never look at it again until you maybe come back in for your annual review. How about using that financial plan as confirmation of, hey, I'm on track. I'm doing what I need to do. Things look like they're moving in the right direction for me. The world can be going to heck in a handcart. Be sure that you're doing okay and don't get in the mindset that you're going to heck in a handcart because you may not be. If you've got a good plan, you probably aren't. Yeah, we talk about, you know, having a plan on paper, on purpose, and this this concept of just 
checking in, you know, once a month. Um, there are people with the, the plans that we give them, there are people who will look at those regularly and they come back in for their review at some point and are like, okay, I know you said, da, 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 you know, whatever it is relative to their plan. Here's where we are. We actually did that and this much more, you know, whatever the case may be. Those who move along faster usually are those who are reviewing that plan on a regular basis Mm -hmm. it's not just sitting on a shelf and collecting dust for them now you've got to juxtapose that against these varying markets that we have and what have you and and you you shouldn't be sitting down making sure (laughs) that bucket three is at is at this level or and doesn't go below that moment at that exact moment but it is very good to look at the overall plan and just reassure yourself that things are going as you had predicted All right, number five on our list of six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money. We've already kind of touched on this. Shouldn't take long to go over it, but auto-escalate your savings. Now, if you want to challenge yourself to save more money, many 401k plans do this. They offer auto-escalation. That is, they'll automatically increase the amount you're putting away for retirement each year. And there's ways to do that uh, yourself as well. You can increase that, set up a plan to increase it. But I do believe, uh, after the years of, of looking at this, the only way to consistently save, consistently invest, is to put it on autopilot. Yes. And I think it only makes sense to put in a, a mechanism to increase that over time. So the dynamic of this could be that if you are at a place where you get regular raises, maybe every year or whatever the case may be, you set your percentage out of your paycheck and then your raise actually increases the amount that's going into your 401k because your 10% allocation of a thousand dollars is more than the 10% allocation of $900 right. that was on your paycheck before you got the raise or whatever the case may be. So you can do it that way. And there are some that say, all right, I want to start at 5% next year. I want to go to six next year. I want to go to seven. That's a great way, Janet, to ease into the process of accumulating wealth. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, this is more focused on the retirement plan, which is obviously for most people going to be your largest pool of of assets at the time that you retire. But this same concept you can do with your actual savings as opposed to your investments with your actual savings, like at the bank, that type of thing. If you'll just do things like set a reminder in your phone for, you know, January 10th of next year, I need to revisit this because I've probably gotten a raise by then. So I need to revisit what are we contributing to savings? It's not like it's going to auto escalate like your 401k probably has the ability to do, but you can set those reminders for yourself and just take care of it on an annual basis. Yeah, important too, not just on the cash flow side, but I know a lot of people are in sales. Maybe they get bonuses. We talked last week about tax refunds. If you get a lump sum, make a rule ahead of time. That's what I'm hearing here, right? Mm -hmm. It's a rule. Just set a rule for yourself to go, Whatever this is, this bonus or this tax refund, half of it's going to savings, half of it will go and enjoy, or 75%, 25%. But whatever the rule is, or all of it, that'd be mm-hmm. great. But make sure you stick to it, and that can make a big difference. In fact, research from UCLA shows that people who enroll in auto escalation ended up saving more than people who didn't, stands to reason. And speaking of rules, that's our final one. Adopt the 72-hour rule. Now, this is interesting. I hadn't heard of this, but really certainly protects you against impulse buying. If you're considering buying anything other than necessities, you set in place your own 72-hour rule. In other words, you have to wait 72 hours 
before you buy it. John is smiling. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm executing this even as we speak. Because <laughs> with you or somebody else? With, with me. Okay. I, I, okay. Because, you know, every once in a while I get the bug to buy a car. Yeah. He's uh, had and, it for a while now. And I've had it for a while now. And so I will, I'll drool on my iPad as I'm looking at various cars that are out there. And then I go to try to find one and they're not there. You know, they're right. just on the on the iPad. They're not actual real cars on the lots because we still have this lag from the supply chain thing going on. But it, it, it this is very uh, apropos because it does that whole uh, yeah. desire does fade after a couple of days. And then for whatever reason, it just comes back to me <laughs> and it happens again. My, my husband and I have had not the 72-hour rule, but the 24-hour rule, which works very well for us. And and it has had different thresholds. Um, now, I, I, we don't really have a monetary amount assigned to it. But early in our marriage, the deal was if, we're, if either one of us is going to spend over $50, then we talk to the other person about it. And we take 24 hours to, to think through that. Um, I don't think that for many people, I don't think it's the new car syndrome that is doing them in financially. I think it's the, oh, let me put that in my Amazon basket. Oh, and I need one. Oh, and, and this too. And, 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 and then you turn around and you've spent 250 bucks on Amazon, none of which was in your, if you plan expenses, none of which was in your planned expenses. And so that's $250 that could have been used to move you forward. And I'm not saying don't buy anything fun. We buy lots of fun stuff. Um, but maybe it needs to be $100. And then the other 150 is going to your next financial priority. I think just taking the time to think and say, do we really want or need that item right now i think it's interesting you put it in the cart you could put it in the car yeah. just don't just don't press buy exactly i was gonna say that she's gone to meddling when she starts talking about the amazon cart yeah <laughs> okay hey i hope there's been something here for you uh today with six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money if you need a little bit of a summary we are moving into our final thoughts janet we'll start with you so what you repeatedly do, whatever that is, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, that ultimately determines who you are as a person, the things that you believe, the personality you portray, what are you doing with your money on a regular basis, and is that the person you want to be? Your financial independence is your responsibility. It's no one else's, it's yours, but you don't have to go it alone. You can have a coach to come alongside you, give you guidance, give you expertise, give you the the tools that you need to get to financial independence. But you certainly don't have to go it alone. But you have to remember that financial independence is up to you. I think I go back to the resources that we talked about. We always want to offer you free resources. Educate yourself. One of our six ways to challenge yourself was to have Finance Fridays. Challenge yourself once a week, whether it's Friday or whatever day, to learn one new thing. And one new thing you can learn this week is how likely you are to have a successful retirement with the habits you have now. Maybe you need a snapshot. Maybe you need an eye-opener. Whatever you need it is free with our 15-minute retirement checkup. You can visit 15minuteretirement.com. That's the numbers 1 and 5, and then spell out minuteretirement.com, or text the word CHECKUP to this number, 501-381-5228. Again, that number is 501-381-5228.
Well, that is all the time we have for this week's Get Ready for the Future show. Six ways to challenge yourself to be better with money. I hope you picked at least one of those to apply to your financial life for a better financial future. And we hope you'll join us again next week for another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And you can always find us on social media. Search for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors on Facebook or on Twitter at GenWealthFA. The Gen Wealth Financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 866 653 PLAN. That's 866-653-7526. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.